0: Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of Grace Point Church in Atlantic, Iowa. My name is Don McLean. I'm the senior pastor here at Grace Point. If you'd like to know more about our church, you can check us out at gracepointatlantic.com. And in the meantime, grab your Bible and check out this week's sermon. This time you may be seated. Please open up your Bibles to Deuteronomy. And Chad will share with us.
1: You can turn to Deuteronomy chapter 4. Deuteronomy chapter 4, and I want to be reading verses 9 to 14. Only take care and keep your soul diligently, lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen, and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Make them known to your children and to your children's children, how on the day that you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb, the Lord said to me, Gather the people to me, that I, that, that I may let them hear my words, so that they may learn to fear me all the days, all the days that they live on the earth, and that they may teach their children also. And you came near and stood at the foot of the mountain, while the mountain burned with fire to the heart of heaven, wrapped in darkness, cloud, and gloom. Then the Lord spoke to you out of the midst of the fire. You heard the sound of the words, but saw no form. There was only the voice. And he declared to you his covenant, which he commanded you to perform, that is, the Ten Commandments, and he wrote them on two tablets of stone. And the Lord commanded me at that time to teach you statutes and rules, that you might do them in the land, and that you are that that you might do them in the land that you are going to possess. May the Lord add his bleeding, his blessing to the reading of his word. Today we have a special privilege of having John. Uh, John Lee, speak with us. John and Joe Beth are missionaries in Japan, and uh, as most of you know, John or Joe Beth is from this church originally, and so it's a it's a real treasure and a real treat to have John come and share. So, John, if you want to come and share the word, yeah.
0: Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Um, is this the right mic for Joe Beth? hello that okay?
2: All yeah right. yeah yeah we're John and Jo Beth Lee uh, thank you for that that nice introduction it, it is a joy and a pleasure to be here with you and um, yeah you know let's just let's just worship God together um, yeah thank you for having us so uh, we have three little girls Brooke is six Bonnie is three Bella is two Bella's over there uh, John and I uh, both were born and raised in Iowa. We met at Iowa State University. Uh, we graduated in 2007. We were in the same graduation class and then we got married in 2008. And um, yeah, God just grew our hearts toward missions together. And um, in, you know, we could share a lot, a lot of that journey, but in 2014 we um, began serving with the Tokyo City team. Uh, through REACH Global, the Evangelical Free Missions Agency.
0: Um, Just real quick about Japan. Uh, It was so cool to have many of you in Sunday school, in the Sunday school hour this morning, because you got to learn a little more in-depth about Japan and also what we do in Japan. Um, but I'd like to highlight a few points. Uh, first, the population is 125 million. And out of those 125 million, over 70% of people, uh, they practice different religions. They practice Buddhism and Shintoism. One believes, uh, Shintoism believes that everything has a spirit. So like the trees outside, they have kind of a spiritual energy to them. Mount Fuji, one of their most famous mountains, that has, that's a spiritual hot spot, and people go to pilgrimage, uh, on pilgrimages to those places to seek some kind of connection with the spirits. And then uh, Buddhism, they believe their loved ones keep, they go on living after they die. Um, but it's very different from what we, we believe. The, those loved ones kind of stay involved in their lives uh, to a certain number of generations, and they even welcome them back to serve their ancestors and then send them back to the spiritual world. Obviously, both of these are totally without Christ, but they would say that we can welcome uh, Jesus Christ into our collection of gods, um, which of course the Bible does does not teach. And so part of what our heart is is to look at the uh, great need in japan over 99.5 percent of uh, people in japan do not believe in jesus christ do not believe that jesus christ is the way the truth and the life and that the scriptures alone are god's words and we have a burden along with our other team members we're on a team of 11 people uh, to make the gospel known
2: Yeah, so these are our teammates. This is the Reach Global Tokyo City team, and um, these are the people that we walk alongside with in life and ministry. Um, So in the middle there is Shige Nakazawa with his wife, Luann, who is actually from Iowa, and uh, Shige is native Japanese, and John and Shige co-lead the team together. and. part of what that means for John and a bit for myself is um, just being able to walk alongside um, our, our younger teammates and um, just just being real and in, in life together and sharpening one another and lifting each other up and being able to ask each other how are you doing um, you know are we are we treasuring Jesus in our height in our hearts above all else so that as we reach out to the Japanese people um, we can help them to treasure, to treasure Jesus above all else.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we've shared with you with you before our, our team's vision, vision, which is see, to see people in Tokyo treasure Jesus Christ, and that that is a reminder for our hearts that we need to treasure Jesus Christ. But we've never shared with you our particular mission as a team, and our mission is to multiply small church, missional small churches by developing, empowering, and releasing disciple makers. If you happen to know the Great Commission, uh, the focus of the Great Commission, the the focus of the work is to go and make disciples. And that's really at the heart of what we do as a team. We have a particular way that God has led us uh, to plant churches and to make disciples. But at the end of the day, it's making disciples. So when I meet with my team members, every month we have check-ins with our team members and we ask, how are you doing? How did last month go? What do you have planned for the next month? And how can I help? We do that every month again and again for all of our team members and i have those kinds of check-ins with my supervisor but i also have those kinds of conversations with church members the people who are members of our small churches there are two guys in particular that i, I focus a lot of my time and energy on and it's just such a joy um so this is a picture of of our small church before we left this is from 2019 and uh, oh yeah i'll let you share
2: Yeah, so in this picture are are some of the people that that we've had the pleasure of doing discipleship with. Um, On the right there, uh, the far right, is Ken. And John talks on the phone with Ken once every couple weeks, and they're really able to share their their lives and their hearts. And um, going back to Japan, our next group may look uh, quite different from this. Uh, We feel that God's really drawing us um, that the next group we might be a part of would be uh, really family-oriented. Um, by the way, this group continues to meet uh, with our teammates, um, Michio and Kevin, who are both in that picture. Uh, yeah, this is the group. This is the real, the nitty-gritty of, of just living our lives together as disciples and disciple makers. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah, and and so as we as we basically make disciples. We ourselves are growing like I I just if I had if I had time like if you wanted to really hear about what God has been doing in my life um, I'd I'd be happy to share and most of that is my weakness and God working through that Um, so as we come alongside our team members as we come alongside church members it's not from a position of strength it's not from a top-down leadership kind of authority it's basically saying look what God done has done in my life and can I offer this to you right now um, and I know we all can relate with that on some level we can all engage in making disciples uh, especially out of our weakness now does anyone recognize this? does this look familiar? not, not, the, not the man, but My Hope America do you remember that from 2013? Um, I don't know who was responsible for getting this idea out there getting the seed planted um, but is Larry Hinman here? Larry and Heidi? hey, there they are Okay, I want to tell you a little story from 2013. That was before we first went to Japan. So My Hope America was... Uh, is it a simulcast or like a broadcast? Well, basically, you get together in small groups in your community. You invite people in your life to hear the gospel. And Billy Graham has a powerful message that uh, you just play on video to share with the group. And then you, then you follow up and you pray for those people and, and you talk with them. Well... Larry and Heidi, they are our partners in crime back in 2013, and uh, we, had, we had just felt the Lord prompting us to say yes to this. So we went around our neighborhood. we lived by the very close to the funeral home downtown, and uh, we invited about 30 people, and we were praying for those 30 people. We were talking with Heidi and Larry about about food. I, how many pies did we have? Like nine so pies? I think seven pies. And seven three pies. Giant yeah, seven pies and three giant pots of soup. We had hors d'oeuvres out on the table, and Larry and Heidi were so gracious to host it. And we were praying and expecting God to bring, God to bring those people. 30 people, amazing, you know, but even, even 10, we would just be so joyful about that. Well, the night came, and we were waiting at Heidi and Larry's house, kind of that nervous energy, and uh, we waited, and we waited, and we waited, and no one showed up. Invited 30 people, no one showed up. It was, it was just one of those things where we just had to give each other big hugs and laugh about it and trust that our prayers meant something, that our invitations meant something. Um, and we didn't know. We didn't know if it was worth anything, to be honest. Uh, it, was, it was emotionally just a little bit crushing, but uh, we were glad just to say yes to God. Um, well, last night, we had one of those families over. We've, I, I, can't, I can't count the number of times that I've invited them over to our house. I, I talked with them about a month ago, maybe three or four weeks ago, and I was saying, yeah, we're getting ready to go back to Japan. You know, we, we see each other. I walked by his place uh, regularly on the way to the library to work, and uh, stopping by, I told him we're going back to Japan. He's like, oh, well, we should get together, and I'm like, Yeah, we should get together. (laughs) Uh, Maybe a dozen times or more. And finally, um, they they made it to our house last night. Uh, We had invited them nine years ago to this. And even though they didn't come on that night, it planted a seed, I think most importantly in our hearts, to be praying for them, to be following up with them, to be involved in their lives. Even though we're in Japan most of the time, right? We've been back twice, uh, from Japan, going through different transitions. And on each of those, in each of those seasons, uh, God's put it on my heart to just stop by, say hi, see how they're doing. Maybe every couple of weeks we get a chance to talk with them. And then last night we were sitting around the table, and I didn't know what to expect. I had on my heart to share the gospel. But then, you know, they bring up, like, so what is it that you do in Japan? Well, let me tell you. <laughs> and it was just so such a natural opening because they had the desire to get to know what we what we do and to tell with them that we don't we don't okay so I'm preaching from Deuteronomy this morning but I'm not here to say follow all the rules and so that's what I wanted them to know we we're not there to tell people to follow all the rules we're we're there to highlight that God has he's a relational god and he's been reaching out to his people and now to us ever since ever since Adam and Eve were created and now he's pursuing them. And just to have the opportunity to share that, that's like nine years, a dream nine years in the making. So I don't know who it was or what team, you know, planted that seed in this church, but just know that that is still bearing fruit in this community. Um, Out of that, out of those other 30 people, there was also a family we invited. And over the past couple of years, we've been. We've been so, my, my daughter Brooke loves fishing. She just loves that feeling. We all love that feeling, right? Pulling a fish out of the water. Uh, and I was taking her fishing, and that was right around the time of the, the pandemic shut things down. And, uh, and as we were going fishing, uh, I looked at these other kids in the community, and I, and I thought, we can bring them along. You know, it's easy enough and we can socially distance. So, we would go out to Schildberg and these kids would come along and I would share a little devotion um, and just hope that these kids would know something about the gospel, that they would know something about the God who made them and loves them. Uh, And that little fishing thing would happen about every week and then slowly, slowly that turned into a Bible study. And that Bible study uh, split into these, so JoBeth meets with with the mother and grandma, and, and I meet with some of the boys and Roland Hinman, and it's just been an amazing time to see God work in all our lives and to share out of my weakness and my failures just how amazing the gospel is. And to think that if I stop and I remember what God has done, and I know, I know what he has done is goes well bef- or starts well before nine years ago, but that's a clear point in my mind where my heart for my community, my neighbors in Atlantic, it, it, that, that was planted, that seed of love was planted. Um, and part of the reason I wanna share this is, uh, you know, thankfully many of you don't have so many transitions in your lives, and you've been here in this community maybe for decades, maybe since you were born. And you've been reaching out to some of the same people pre- uh, Praying for some of the same people For years and years and years And I just want to encourage you Don't give up Just just keep taking that step To, to reach out to them um, I, I'm just humbled To see God moving in that way uh, In our lives And uh, I just want to offer it to you And say God is still able Don't give up um, Now we're reading, we're, we're, I'm sharing with you from Deuteronomy, and actually the, the passage that was read was from Deuteronomy 4, um, but I'll be sharing from you, uh, with you from Deuteronomy 4, Deuteronomy 7, and Deuteronomy 8. We're not going to read all of it. Even Chad came up to me this morning and was like, uh, the reading, <laughs> it's a little long. In Deuteronomy, you know, when I, so we're reading that for our family devotions, and I thought, let's just skip Deuteronomy. How about that? But I started to read it. And as I started to read and learn about the context of Deuteronomy, it became to me a, a message of love to the people of Israel. Now, Deuteronomy, I didn't, I didn't know what this word means. Does anyone know what Deuteronomy means? It, I found out it means second law. I don't know if you knew that, but I learned that recently. It means second law, or repeated law. And the reason is is that Moses has been with Israel for a long time, Um, from before they were freed from slavery in Egypt to the point where they reached Mount Sinai, and God gave them the law. And at that time, it was expected that God would lead Israel from Mount Sinai up into the Promised Land, up into Canaan, and that was an 11-day journey. That takes 11 days for the people to go from Mount Sinai to Canaan. And it was on that journey that the people began to grumble and complain, that, it, that their lack of faith became apparent along that way. And when they finally got to Canaan, they said, let's send some spies in, have them check out the land, and then give us a report. Moses thought that was a good idea, so, so they did it. Well, the spies come back and they come bearing fruits and they describe this amazing land, this fruitful land, this, mil- this land of milk and honey. They come bringing fruits with them from the land. And it's like, looks good to me. But then they say, but the people and the cities, there's no way we're going to overcome those, those, those people who already live there. We're not stronger than them. We're not as many of them a- a- as them. Our cities... Uh, their cities are fortified. How in the world are we going to overcome those, those fortified cities? And it's at that, that point that God disciplines them and says, because you did not believe in me, you will wander for 40 years in the desert. So Moses gave the law before their faith in God failed, going into the promised land. And now they're wandering into the desert For another forty years, so that was the first iteration, and now they're encamped on the east side of the Jordan River. Sorry, that's your east side, I suppose. I don't know. Uh, The Jordan River and your the east side over here. They're encamped, and they can they Moses if he climbs up to the mountain nearby, he can look over the river and see the land. They're that close, and encamped on this side of the river, Moses knows he cannot go into the land. Moses knows that he broke faith with God and he cannot go in and so he's pleading with the people please remember he's delivering to them not only the law but a message of urgency to say do not forget what God has done do not forget how you turned away from the Lord do not forget that the Lord he loves you and that's why he chose you and so it's it's in this context that we, 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 start our, we start our journey. And, and for our family, um, these past two years, we, we, we came back for a, a six, eight-month eight month term to, to be on home assignment, to reconnect with our partners like you. Um, and it turned into two and a half years, over two and a half years. For Israel, it was an 11-day journey, and it turned into year, uh, 40 years. And so I was looking at this and thinking... Aren't we just like Israel? And isn't it so important for us to stop and remember what God has done? And the focus is on what God has done, not on what we've accomplished. And so I invite you to join us in our devotional journey. This is something we did th- as a family, and it's just such a joy to invite you into that. Um, let's, go, let's go to the first passage in um, Deuteronomy 4.9. That's what was read this morning. Um, so it reads, "Only take care and keep your soul diligently, lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen, and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life." Now, there's kind of a mysterious phrase here: "Keep your soul diligently," and a lot of people jump off of this and, you know, talk about what the soul is, you know, how exactly it works, and we relate to it, you know, in the flesh and spirit. All I would say is keeping our soul diligently requires remembering, requires a proper memory of what God has commanded us and what he has done. And so that's really what I want to highlight here. Moses is pleading with them, keep your soul diligently, don't forget, take time to remember. In fact, if you look through Deuteronomy, just a quick uh, search will show that uh, the the word remember shows up 14 times. And the phrase, do not forget, shows up 10 times. Or maybe I have them switched around. But you'll see it again and again and again. That repetition, repetition, repetition. And so if there's one thing that Moses wants us to get, wants us, wants the people to forget, and I think, sorry, wants the people to get and us to get today, is to remember what God has done. Now, first point that, popped out to me is remember that i serve because he loves me not because of my righteousness remember that i'm saved because he loves me not because of my righteousness and um this to me is uh, oh sorry sorry and these are these are some of the the points that we'll get into sorry about that um so it's because the lord loved you it's because the lord loved me that i'm saved And we find that in Deuteronomy 7, and it reads, It was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you, for you were the fewest of all peoples. But it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers, that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And if you think all the way back to where the relationship between Israel and God started, how big was Israel? It was one man. It was Abraham. Abram at the time. And he called him out of his father's household, out of the land of Ur, and he chose Israel through Abraham. That is not a a place of strength to start in all human terms. But that's where God started with Israel. One man, one wanderer, one sojourner. And so it helps me appreciate God has not, God has not chosen me because I'm anything special. It's, he, doesn't, he doesn't stay with me because I'm reading my Bible every day or because I, I share the gospel so many times in a week or, or in a month. That's not the reason I have a, a relationship with God but how easily I can separate, my, separate myself from that reality, feeling security from other things instead of the fact that God, he loved, he loved me first. Um, as I shared before, when I, when I talk with our church members and when, when I talk with my teammates, um, I'm usually sharing about something that I did, that some kind of weakness that I have, insecurity I have, uh, failure, I've, I, I've committed. And the reason I do that is because it allows me to show the power of God, the power of the gospel, through my weakness. Um, I don't know if you're used to doing that, but it's terrifying because it puts you in a vulnerable position. Um, one thing I want to share with you is I really struggle with impatience. I'm uh, <laughs> just talking. Uh, last night with, with the family that um, I thought I was a really patient person, especially in college, because um, for example, I like fishing and I like, I like baseball, right? So many people think uh, they don't have the patience for fishing and they don't have the patience to watch such a slow game like baseball. Well, I love them! And uh, as two examples, those are things where I felt like, you know, I'm a pretty patient person. Uh, and I got married and Joe Beth had to deal with my I don't know, ignorance of my sin for so many years, seven years before we had kids. And we had kids, and then all of a sudden, I couldn't, like, this This anger would burst out of me. Um, and this, this harshness, you know, I, I began to really understand why Paul instructs fathers uh, to not exasperate their children. Don't provoke them to anger. Uh, and I find that, out of the way that I, my impatient impatience manifests itself. I, I'm provoking them to anger, and and I'm just so. And, and I look at when I'm outside of the moment. I look at my behavior, and I'm just like, "What is going on? I'm not even in control." And um, and so I really started to pray for God's help. And as God as God began to just work, he, he led me to he led us to read some books and. Or read a book about parenting, and just what that book taught me is the gospel is what I need in those situations. Uh, the gospel is what I need to remember my brokenness. So when I see the brokenness of my children, I'm not standing from above judging them, but I come at a at a at the same plane as on the same plane as they are to say, "I'm a sinner too," so I can be patient. I can be patient with you right now. I understand where you're coming from. Uh, so about three or four weeks ago, I was—all uh, of our kids were sick. It was like uh, Brooke, then Bonnie, then Bella. And you know, if you have multiple kids, when one gets sick, you better clear your calendar for the next three weeks. That's kind of the way it was. And Bella was sick. Uh, we were going; she was getting up from a nap, and you know, when she's sleepy, she just doesn't isn't as compliant. So I told her we're going to go use the go sit on the toilet. She had poopy diaper and uh, we were taking her to the toilet, or I was, and, uh, and she, just, she just decided she wouldn't have it. So she was kicking me in the chest, she was kicking me in the arms, she was screaming at the top of her lungs. She was in rare form. I had, I had not really seen her. Oh, yeah, yeah, there's little Bella. She's, she's in, we took her to the hospital to get some antibiotics. Turns out she had an ear infection. But, um, yeah, she was really upset, and... And that was my that was my usual breaking point. But somehow I I was I was holding on to this creature. She's just a wild animal and she was screaming at me, looking me right in the eyes, and you know, she's almost like a badger or something. And and looking me right in the eyes and yelling at me, and I and I was just able to say, Bella, I know how you feel. Because I've been sick and I've been cranky and I have I've, I've had to do things that I didn't want to do. And instead of lashing out in anger and giving into my tendency toward impatience, I was able somehow by the grace of God, by the work of the Holy Spirit, to really live the gospel um, to my daughter. And isn't God that, that way with us? Like Jesus Christ, he understands where we're coming from. He was made flesh. He lived in all of the t- among all the temptations and all the trials in which we lived, and yet he never sinned. And so, doesn't our great high priest, Jesus Christ, understand what we're going through when we're having our tantrums, when we wanna walk away from him? He does. And so compassionately, so gently, he just holds on to us, and he says, I love you. I understand, I love you. I'm gonna wait for this to pass, and I'm gonna continue my work just as I need to as a parent. And so I, I share this with you because um, when we think about sharing the gospel with people, when we think about making disciples, it's very easy to look at other people, see things where other people need to grow, see things we, we need to share with other people. Um, but for our lives, I found that I have, I have just an infinite amount of growth ahead of me. And what I want to do is just invite people into that journey of growth. Um, And hopefully, the glory of the gospel really shines through that, through my weakness. Um, And I hope that gives you hope and purpose today, wherever you're coming from, to minister out of your weakness toward your children, toward your wife, toward your husband, toward the people in your community and your family. Another thing that God pointed out to me is, do you doubt? Do you fear? Remember what God has done. And that was something that I heard in my small group in the Sunday school hour this morning. It's so important that we stop and remember what God has done. And this is what Moses says to the people. He says, if you say in your heart, these nations are greater than I, how can I dispossess them? So they're going, look at them. They're, they're literal giants. They're the, son, they're the sons of Anak. Imagine nations full of Goliaths, right? That's, that's the kind of impression they give us. Moses says, You shall not be afraid of them, but you shall remember what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and to all Egypt. The great trials that your eyes saw, the signs, the wonders, the mighty hand, and the outstretched arm by which the Lord your God brought you out. So will the Lord your God do to all the peoples of whom you are afraid so as we, as our family gets ready to go back to Japan, we have some giants ahead of us. Yeah, you know, there's jet lag, um, there's discomfort in, in in a second language. Um, our kids will be going into school, and you know, we really want them to be to be able to thrive when they get there. Um, yeah, one of the things that's been that's been on my heart is. Um, just will we really be able to thrive as a family? And will families in the small churches be able to grow together in, in, in knowing God more and enjoying Him? Uh, on our last, on our last uh, term there, we saw a church start in our home. And yet, those were some of the hardest days in our life as a family. Um, Bonnie wasn't sleeping well, and we had very short, very short nights and then we would welcome people into our home every week. And, uh, and in our hearts, they weren't welcome. Because it felt like we had, to, we had to walk away, we had to say, okay, well, you can use our home. We need, to go, we need to go minister to our family. I'm not just gonna play a movie for my daughter so the church can meet every week, but we have to kind of figure out how to do this. And in living in these two different worlds, I was torn, we were torn. And uh, it, was a, it was a rather dark time for us, even though it seemed like, aren't things going well? Isn't this exactly what we came to Japan to do? Well, as we go back, I have that kind of shadow looming over me, or this kind of giant that I foresee. It's like, can we really, can we really thrive in Japan? And what you experienced in the Sunday school hour this morning is something God put on our hearts, uh, that we, we need to find a method where... we can come to the scriptures, come to God to worship together as a family. And as we do that, we welcome other people into that journey that we're walking as a family. Instead of like, oh, well, we have these programs here, but they don't really do anything for our kids. Or we have these relationships here, but our kids never really get to know them. Um, One thing you can pray for us in is we are looking at focusing more on reaching out to families. Since our kids will be in public school, we, uh, we do hope to see more families come. But as we do that, we want small church to be something where families can really find encouragement and find fellowship, where they can really see the Spirit of God working in our hearts and ministering to one another. Um, yeah, we, we have our giants. But to that, to that, we have to remember what God has done. Instead of fearing the things that could be ahead, we need to stop and remember God's faithfulness. And whether, you know, one thing that really sticks out to me is, is the thing I shared, shared earlier about the fishing group and about the Bible studies that came out of that, uh, having, having our friend, longtime friends over for dinner finally to talk about Jesus. Uh, those are reminders that um, things in Japan sometimes just take time. Building relationships just takes time. And even though you sow seeds and it seems like nothing's coming up, God has borne fruit in Atlantic, and God will bear fruit if we're just faithful to obey him. Um, so maybe you have things in your life where you feel like, I, I can't forgive this person. I can't, I can't even talk about it because it hurts so much. Or you feel like, I can't share the gospel. I, I'm so clumsy with my words. Um... Did you know I got a C- minus in uh, speech class in college? (laughs) And I'm only here speaking to you now because of what God has done, because he has given me something to share with you. I and myself, I'm not a charismatic guy, I'm not a great speaker, but God has given me a message to share. And if God puts the gospel on your hearts to share with someone, he will also give you the tongue to use to speak it. Um, Are you afraid to be vulnerable and just say, this is something I'm struggling with and I need help. Those things can seem huge. Uh, Yeah, even if years later you might look back and say, oh, it was such a little thing. But God wants you to stop and remember the things that he's done in your lives. How did you come to know Jesus? What are things that he's doing in your life now that maybe you just need to stop and, and tally up and say, wow, that is incredible, God. Um, this is God's invitation for us to stop and remember his faithfulness so that we can take courage to do what he is calling us to do. The next point, um, oh yeah, oh man, and I, and I didn't even get to share about a couple of these guys, but uh, yeah, God has just continued to work in relationships with, with some small church members. Another is that God has purposes in your wandering. God has purposes in your waiting and in our our suffering. And I get this from Deuteronomy 8, 2, where it reads, And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. So as I said, we came back for an eight-month, I guess, stop or visit to Iowa uh, to be in the U.S., but that turned into two and a half years. Israel started a journey that should have only taken 11 days and yet it became 40 years. God's not just uh, shaming them by sending them out into the wilderness, but he has purposes. And what what were his purposes? That he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. I don't think God needs to figure out what's in their heart. I think God knows what was in their heart, but it's for them to understand them, their own hearts their own grumbling, their own stubbornness, their own lack of desire to do what pleases him. And so God had his own lessons for us in this time of waiting.
2: Yeah, Yeah, I'd like to share just a a little piece of this last two and a half years. So the reason we couldn't go back to Japan after eight months was um, our visa had expired, our residence cards were no longer valid, and normally that's just not a problem, but uh, because of COVID, they weren't issuing new visas. So we were stuck, even though we work there and we have uh, valid reasons to be there, um, we just couldn't, couldn't go back. And so, uh, so um, we kind of began this track of, okay, maybe we'll be able to go back in two months or three months or, or you know, after this point when the Japanese government opens back up and it was just a long waiting, waiting game for us. And uh, during the same time, God was doing something else in our lives too. Um, there were there were a lot of things: the fishing group, and just clearly so many purposes God had. But in 2020, around Christmas time, uh, a friend, a really good friend of our families told us that she was going into kidney failure and was about to go on to dialysis and she just said please pray for a kidney for me I'm on a list and pray that something pops up so we said okay we'll pray and we started praying every night with our little girls and you know their little voices please even when we would forget they'd say God please provide a kidney for Joni her name is Joni Brusso. and um, <clears throat> so we prayed and prayed and then uh, that April, I got a message from a, a good friend who lives in a different state. She said, pray for my husband and I. This weekend, he's going to donate a kidney to my brother. So he was donate, donating a kidney to, a, like, a, really a non-family member for him. And that something in my mind clicked a little bit. Like, oh, of course we'll pray. Yeah, thanks for telling us. And I had no idea you could even give a kidney to someone who wasn't family. It just wasn't on my radar At all, and uh, and I my mind kind of thought of Joni. I thought, huh, I wonder. And as I mulled over that and did just a little bit of research, um, God led us to pursue kidney donation. Um, There were different reasons I thought it might work. I have O negative blood type, and I'm a universal blood donor, maybe that'll help. Anyway, um, we prayed for months and months well, not months and months. From about April till August, and um, as I talked with John and prayed, we thought, I think God's leading us to explore this. We need to get some more details. So I called Joni to ask her, what's your hospital? And, um, you know, how do I get some information to explore this? And I told her, you know, I have O-negative blood type. Maybe that could help. And she was quiet, and she said, I have O-negative blood type which, you know, I, I'm not a biologist, but could have been one of the reasons, you know, she was still on the list, because it's, it's not the most common blood type. It's not the rarest. Um, so, yeah, we started this journey together, and there was another just like a, like a full six-month period of uh, blood tests and physical tests, one right after the other. And I'll be honest, I got a little, I got a little shaky at some points, like, ooh, I didn't know... You know, I didn't know this is going to happen to my body or this or that. And Joni was just abundantly gracious. She told me many times, Joe, you don't have to do this. You know, I'm going to love you. And God's going to provide one way or the other. Um, but, you know, God kept prompting in our hearts, yeah, keep taking the next step. And during this, John and I started uh, praying together. And I, I love this picture. John chose this after I fell asleep last night. But... Um, this was a period where I feel like I really learned to pray like like this. Like God just show us. And he did. He just kept speaking to our hearts. Take the next step. And um and and I think I think there were two there was something I was wrestling with, kind of two sides to me. One that just wanted to be like a moral hero, like it's the right thing to do. Let's do it, you know, and it's gonna be great. And then this other side, like, I don't know. I'm kind of <laughs> nervous about this. And um, John and I, during a, actually a team meeting devotion one night, we were all praying and, and just meditating over um, Jesus' words. Um, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And that night, John was praying and he said, you know, I think Jesus wants you to know the burden is not yours to bear, the burden of life and death. Like, whatever happens, it's not your burden. It's God's burden. And that actually, that lifted so many, so many fears from my heart. Um, you know, fears of what will happen to my kids if something happens to me. Or, um, you know, what if the procedure goes wrong and it's of no benefit. And many other things. And um, <clears throat> God kept prompting us, just take the next step. I'm, I'm going to be there, and I'm going to be leading you. And um, so finally we got through the end of these many, many tests. They told us, yes, you're a match, like a full match. You can do this. And the, the decision, by the time we were able to even say yes to any type of decision, we had just 100% peace that God was leading us. And um, I, look, I look back on that season And even this season now, and can really say, yeah, God, God was testing my heart and drawing out all of these things that I had no idea were inside of me. And even now, to wrap up, I I know our time's getting a little tight.
1: Uh,
2: So we had the procedure, uh, May 2nd. Joni and I both went into surgery. Uh, The surgery went well. And right away, the kidneys started functioning. It was just amazing. That night, they took out her dialysis port. She was switched from a renal diet to a regular diet. Everything was just like, yeah, this is worth it. And um, even though many, many, many times we had said, even if it doesn't go well, God's leading us to do this, it felt pretty good. Like, (laughs) my kidneys are pretty healthy, I guess. And uh, (sighs) actually, just a week later, Joni's body started showing signs of rejection. And that was just crushing, crushing for me and for her and uh, sad. And um, also, she's been on some treatments that are very hopeful. It's kind of a common issue, common treatment. But even in that moment of getting that news, God brought me back to that place of remembering it's it's not your burden to bear, to bear, the burden of life and death but it's mine, it's really Jesus's, and um, whatever he asks us to do, whether or not we see fruit from it right away, uh, he's leading us, and he's using those things uh, to get at our hearts, um, yeah, just wanted to share that. Also, keep praying for Joni, she's on her second round of, of uh, these plasma phresis treatments, and just pray that, that she will be blessed and, and healed yeah, by the power of Jesus.
0: And just to kind of tie off that point, um, you know, the, the, the idea is that God does have purposes in our waiting, in our wandering, in our suffering. And you might find yourself there in some way in your life. You might find yourself stuck, not where you feel like you should be, or, or even where God is leading you. Uh, you might find that you're, you're just in a place where you feel like, again, Lord? How in the world am I here again? Again? Um, I would say that yes, God does things through those situations and he does amazing things. But don't neglect the work he's doing in your heart. As you wait, God is doing something in you. If only you'll take the opportunity to figure that out or to to pay attention. Just pay attention and God will show you. Lean into it. Um, And last, give glory to God. And I get that from Deuteronomy 8, too. And it reads, You shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to... Oh, sorry. Uh, that was not the right passage. Um, sorry. Um, the, the last passage I wanted to read was from Deuteronomy 8. And it, it said something like, God he was warning them, when you go into the land, you are going to enjoy the fruits of the land. You're going to, have, you're going to move into houses and cities that you did not build. You are going to, you are going to have flocks, just amazing amount of healthy, reproducing uh, livestock. You're going to enjoy the fruits of the land, the grapes that you tasted, you're going to enjoy those things. Only when you get there, take care that you don't say, it's because of my strength my wisdom. It's because of what I've done that we're enjoying what we're enjoying today. And so it's a reminder to remember. It's a reminder to remember. Um, Because Moses wants them to not only remember today as they get ready to go into the land, but also a hundred years, two hundred years, a thousand years into the time of living in the land so that they don't ever look at their situation and feel like it's because of me because I'm smart. It's because I'm good or God favors me because of my my righteousness. Not at all. And so as we get ready to go to Japan, we're thinking, yeah, we see a lot of challenges, to be honest, more than than like promise of fruitful ministry. But there will be seasons where we probably feel more comfortable or we probably feel more Uh, like, oh, yeah, this is exactly what we wanted to see happen, or we're having great conversations with people about the Lord. When those things happen, what is it that that we find our comfort and identity and security in? Is it our works? Is it the conversations we've had? Is it seeing people do the things that we want them to do? No. Our security is in God and God alone. And if we lose that, then it's like we've totally forgotten this journey that we've been on not only this two and a half years, but really our whole lifetimes. So I think God is inviting us to really take to heart these, these reminders. Remember that I serve because he loves me, not because of my righteousness. Remember what God has done in the face of doubt and fear. Remember that God has a purpose in our waiting, wandering, and suffering. And remember to give glory to him when things are going well. And I just, this is, this is what God has taught us along the way, and I just offer them to you. Is there something that God has for you in these reminders today? And if there is, I encourage you to share it with someone. Keeping these things private, often, I, I find in my, in my life, they often just uh, sputter out. They flicker and they go out. But if you share it with others, you have people praying for you and people who are walking that journey alongside you. Uh, let me close in prayer. Heavenly Father, um, you're so gracious to be, be patient with us, even when I can be impatient with others. And I thank you, Lord, for loving me first. You loved us first, and you sent Jesus to die for us. Um, it's because of your love that you demonstrated your love on the cross, sending Jesus to die for us. Even as we took communion, we were stopping to remember what Jesus has done. And the price that he paid so that we could become sons and daughters of God. And in that, Lord, we rejoice and we give you thanks. But as we go on in this journey of knowing you more and more, please help us to remember. Jesus, he even said that he will send the helper to remind us of all the things that that he taught. So Holy Spirit, please remind us. Please help us. Please do for us what the Israelites could never do for themselves. Help us to remember, Lord, and give you the glory. In Jesus' name, Amen.
3: Joe Beth, just want to say a prayer, ascending prayer. Um, I'm Larry Hinman. I'm uh, elder of the missions committee or the global partner committee, and I just wanted to take this. Uh, Brief opportunity to just say a prayer with them and as a family, and um, before they head in what nine days or so. Okay, let's all bow our heads in prayer. Lord, we're just so blessed to have John and Joe Beth as part of our family, as part of our partners globally. We know that um, it's hard to understand why so many people don't know you. It's hard to fathom how strange it seems to us in this world that, that have the opportunity to know you and understand your word, to have the freedom to, to open that book and understand what the truth of this world is. Lord, we just thank you for individuals like this, John and Joe Beth, uh, and our partners around the world that do sacrifice time to disciple to others that don't know the word or do we know that these individuals and especially their humble nature help us understand what that is in our life here and who are the disciples that are amongst us that we 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 need to couple with so that we can help share the word that's so so important in this world father we just Thank you for their blessings upon this this church family. We ask that they go in safety, that their travels go safe, and that uh, Joe Beth's transfer goes successfully, that that continues to be something. But ultimately, Lord, that we understand what your purpose is in our life. We know what their their purpose is in our life, and we just thank you for for that example and discipleship. Father, we thank you and love you and praise you in your son's name.